Welcome to Western Hills Podcast. They say that confession is good for the soul, so I'll share my confession from this week, but you've got to promise it has to stay here, okay? You can't go telling this. Thursday, I um, woke up and got up a little bit early and did a good job of, of helping the kids get out the door, and the family was off on, on their way. So I jumped in uh, as soon as they left, jumped in the car because I was going to get into the office and I was going to be productive. And you have those moments where you think, I am on top of my game today. And I was doing great until I'm coming in to Temple from the south and before I know it, I-35 becomes a parking lot. Now I know you've never experienced that, but it seems to happen to me a lot. And it was... That morning where it was a little on the humid side and it was warming up and I ran up onto the backed up traffic before I realized and I was in the inside most lane. So the idea of getting, uh, getting to, the, to an exit was out of the question. By the time I noticed it, all the exits were backing up themselves anyway. And we're just sitting there and oh, did I mention I don't have air conditioning in my car right now. So I've got the windows down. I, this, you used to roll your window down like this. I have it in a decade, but this is still my sign, I guess. So I get my windows down, and I'm like, okay, we're, we're going to be fine. And then I look down, and my car is overheating. And I'm stuck in the traffic. And here's, here's the thought that went through my head. I was going to be productive today. Now I'm stuck in traffic. I'm supposed to be at the church writing a sermon on joy. So God was doing a work on me this week. And you can only imagine the smile on his face when today's passage begins with these words from the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say rejoice. We've been exploring How to Find Joy, and we've been using this letter written from a man that loved this church to the believers in this church that says, I want you to find joy. I want you to have joy. And all through the letter, we've looked at a place where part of his joy comes because of his obsession with Christ. And throughout this letter, and even in today's part, he's going to talk about Jesus And what it means to live with Jesus. And he talks about what it means to serve others. And find joy in putting their priorities ahead of your priorities. And getting self out of the way. And last week we looked at this idea of what it means to have grace. And that the grace of the heavenly father that comes to us through Jesus. Should make us amongst the most joyful people on the planet. And yet, when we get to Philippians 4, 4, and we read a verse like this, rejoice in the Lord always. So he tells us, rejoice, live your life this way. And in case that's not emphasis enough, he does this part, always. Now, if you're not familiar with Greek, always means Always, all the time, morning to night, 
even stuck in traffic on I-35. And then he doubles down one more time and says, I'm just going to say it again. I want you to rejoice. Now, here's my struggle with that. I know myself well enough to know that doesn't seem like a reality. And perhaps you're thinking the same thing. That rejoice occasionally, rejoice often. Now, I could go for a verse that says rejoice often, rejoice a lot. Um, that, that I could, could get on board with. But rejoice in the Lord always. And I'm well aware that some of you have situations and you're in seasons of life and you're in a context that makes my I-35 look like the joke that it is. And it's serious. And you would gra- gladly trade out that in a second. And you read a verse like that and you're like, how do I do something like that? How, how, how can I get there? And what Paul's going to unpack for us today, he's going to unpack a strategy for it. But there's a big exchange that we have to make. Is If you think that you can do this kind of life under your own power, under your natural ability, just because you're going to grit it up and you're going to try harder and you're going to do more, you're missing what Paul's saying. Paul is saying this doesn't come from a natural ability. This comes from a supernatural ability, a supernatural source. And he's going to show us how we can align our lives with that, with the person of Jesus, and live a life that others would look at and go, I don't know how you can rejoice in the middle of what you're experiencing. So I hope you have your Bibles or hope you've opened up the scripture journals that we've given out. And so let's go. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. And he follows up with the very next passage. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. And then he drops another line on us that you just want to go, how is that possible? Look at what he says. Do not be anxious about anything. Okay, the Greek for anything means anything. So we're supposed to rejoice always and then not be anxious about anything. The only thing I can say is Paul was never a parent. Right? Because I may have had a chance at that, but become a parent, no way. And so pretty much if you're breathing, you have something that you can come up with to be anxious about. I mean, have you ever gone to somebody for some advice and you tell them your situation and then their response is, hey, don't worry. And you're like, thanks. That's what Paul's saying. See, anxiousness equals worry. Anxiousness is, anxiety is worry. And so what Paul is saying here is again saying, Don't worry about it. And part of us wants to look at that and go, that makes absolutely no sense in the real world. But what I'm telling you is, 
that he didn't come up with it first. Because remember, when Jesus gives the Sermon on the Mount, he says something really crazy about how can you even add a day to your life by worrying? And he's got this whole idea about worry is all for nothing. See, what worry is, worry drives us to focus on a single question. Worry drives us to focus on this question, what if? And you then take that question and you begin to apply it to every part of your life. And you go, what if the kids don't turn out all right? What if the economy takes a downturn? What if I can't make bills at the end of the month? What if I never get married? What if she leaves? What if the medicine doesn't work? What if, what if, what if? And what happens inside of us is we're all hardwired to exert our own control over everything. And the problem is life does not recognize your authority over life. Does that make sense? We try to run our own lives and it seems like life does not ever want to bend to my control. And so I'm left with the what if, what if, what if, what if. And tomorrow is always a big scary thing. Because what if tomorrow it all comes apart? And so Paul tells us in this, he's saying, don't be anxious about everything. And then what he's about to do, he's about to give us a plan now. So Paul's not going to leave us without some type of application here. And so this is where, if you've got your Bible, I want you to start underlining your Bible. If you're taking notes, I want you to start taking some notes. Because here's what we said. Verse 6 again. Do not be anxious about anything. And then he goes on. And here's where he begins the secrets. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And so Paul is asking us to do something that can only come with a supernatural source. Because what he's asking us to do is not trust in yourself. He's asking you to not choose worry. And you're like, I don't think I've ever chosen worry. It just kind of shows up. But he's going to ask us to do something else. Because it doesn't help if I just come in and say, don't think about that. There's got to be something to replace it. And Paul gives us a strategy. And so I'm going to give you some things that Paul is asking us to do. First, he's saying this. We can choose to pray. He's saying, don't worry. Instead, pray. That's what he's asking us to do. To pray. Now, Some of you may think that all prayer has to be this flowery, long, eloquent language. That's not what Paul's calling us to. Paul's not saying pray prettier prayers. Paul's saying you've got an opportunity to talk to the one that created the universe. You've got an opportunity to talk to the one that can do something about your situation. Take advantage of that. Have you ever been in a situation... And had a struggle. And you had that thought. I just need to talk to somebody. 
and you call up that trusted friend or that mentor, that buddy, whatever it is, and you go and you sit down and you talk. And really, that other person can't do anything about it. And yet you feel better because you're able to talk about it. What Paul is inviting us to and encouraging us to grab a hold of is you can have a conversation with God, the one person that can do something about it. Now, whether he responds exactly like you want him to or not, I don't know. That's not the promise. But the promise is this. God's never going to be too busy for you. He's never going to keep you at arm's length. He's never going to dismiss you as, well, that's not important. He's never going to ignore you. He's never going to not already understand the situation that you're in better than you understand the situation that you're in. And we serve a God that desires to hear from you. So spend some time talking to him. Do, Do you know that you're wired in such a way? That oftentimes, whenever you face an anxiety, you face something fearful, giving that fear a name, putting a label on it, helps reduce your anxiety. For, for many of you that have wrestled with health problems, it was a mysterious health problem for a time. You went and tried to find out, tried to find out, tried to find out, and finally, they were able to determine what was wrong. And even if the, the diagnosis was not something that you wanted to hear. I've heard many of you say a statement that goes like this, but now I know. Now it has a name and we can treat. Now we can face it. So God's inviting you in to spend some time talking to him in the moment when you're stressed and say, God, here's what is scaring me to death. Here's my fears Here's my anxieties. Here's the things. I want to transfer them from me to you. I want to take them out of my hands. I never really had control of them anyway. I thought I did, but I want to put them in your hands because I know that you are bigger than all of my problems. We can choose to pray. We're not simply passive in the moment. The other part of that sentence is he says, take all of your prayers and supplication with thanksgiving so we can choose to give thanks. And whatever you're facing, we can choose to give thanks. Not because of, but in the midst of whatever you're experiencing. Not thankful for, whatever the struggle is, but thankful in spite of. You can choose to face whatever it is with a simple thing of being grateful for, and that alone will begin to open you up to the ways that God's already at work, the way that God's already present. Because here's the secret. God's already working in your life. He has not stopped working in your life. There's not seasons that he disappears from your life. The problem is we're not always paying attention to what he's doing. And so God is still at work even when I'm not acknowledging him, even when I'm not giving him thanks, even not when I'm not showing him the appreciation. 
But when I slow down long enough to do what the old hymn asked me to do, count my many blessings, name them one by one, that suddenly puts me into a posture of realizing, wow, he's at work. From my I-35 experience, once I arrived at the office, logged on my computer and up pops breaking news reports. Fatal accident is the reason why. Suddenly, not having air conditioner, that's nothing. So God began to work on me just to be grateful for the day that I was having. Because somewhere there was a family that wasn't having the day I was having. So I became grateful. In all things, give thanks. And so what giving thanks does Paul's very helpful with this. Instead of always focusing on the what if question, we give thanks even if. Even if it doesn't turn out like you're hoping. Even if there's disappointment in the midst of it, we still give thanks. You have been bought at a price that was nothing less than the blood of God's own Son, your salvation is secure for all those in Christ Jesus. No doubt about it. Paul tells us that no depth, nor height, nor powers of this planet can take anything away from that. You have something to be grateful for every single day that you're breathing. Even if everything else isn't going your way. And what that posture will do is that will make you an awareness, kind of a radar. And suddenly you'll see God not suddenly show up, but in places he's always been. And now you can see him there. I like this illustration. You're aware that we live in a world now where even as we sit in a room like this, we're being bombarded with all kinds of cell signal and radio signal and radio waves. And they're going on constantly all around us. The problem is we're not always tuned into them. But when we tune in, suddenly there's an awareness. Suddenly there's a message that comes through. That's what Paul's invited us into. So it's always there, but I want you to tune in to it. I'm going to give us one more thing. He moves on with the next verses and Paul finishes this, this like this. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. So this is where he's asking us, live by this supernatural ability. Practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Worry means a divided 
mind. And so to worry means that you're in conflict with yourself. And, and you know that experience because that's exactly what it feels like. I, I, I want to be excited, but I know that I can. I'm, I, I'm anxious about tomorrow, but I'm, I'm trying to be calm. And you feel that tug and you feel that, that pull and it's that divided mind. And so Paul is saying, what I want you to do is I want you to have a united mind. And so he tells us, think about these things. Whatever is noble, whatever is honorable, whatever is true, whatever is lovely. And so the last thing Paul tells us to do is we can choose to think. We can choose what we think about. We can take captive our thoughts. And really, honestly, it's the only thing that you've got control over most of the time. The situations usually are outside of your control. But how you perceive the situation, what you think about, and how you look at that. It's a famous illustration by Corey Ten Boom, a survivor of the concentration camps in Nazi Germany. And as a Jewish girl, her and her family were, were um, incarcerated, captured, and they were in horrible conditions. But they noticed that there was at least one period when the guards would leave them alone because they were in an area infested with fleas. And the fleas would bite and itch and they carried sickness and disease, but Corey Tin Boom says, We were thankful for the fleas. Can you imagine that? Thankful for the fleas. Because it was during those times that nobody harassed us. And we could come together and we could encourage each other and we were safe. See the power of that? In the midst of it, she finds joy because she chooses to focus on what God's doing and not worry about what's outside of her control. We can choose to pray. You can choose to give thanks. And, and maybe that's what you need to do walking away from this message is you just need to sit down with a list and write out what you're thankful for. And you can choose to think. And again, take captive that which you can control by the power of the Spirit. And, and what happens in that moment is, is as you're praying and being grateful and thinking and focusing on things, you're, you're, again, you're creating a space for God. And He's always been there, but now you're creating a space where you can sense Him and spend some time with Him. The one that is in charge. The one that does have control. And the one that paid a high price to be in relationship with you. And God will honor that. He will connect with you in that way. And you'll meet him there. Because look at the last promise he gives us. Here's the last line. And the God of peace will be with you. That's not just nice words. That did not come off of a Hallmark card. That's the words of a man writing from prison, not knowing if he's going to face execution or freedom. 
and the God of peace will be with you. I'm going to ask the men that are serving our communion, if you'll take your place at the back and be ready to serve. We're going to share in the Lord's Supper. And as we share, I want you to begin having a conversation with God. I want you to be thinking, what are you grateful for? What, what do you need to acknowledge that God, I, I just want to say today, thank you so much for, whether it's big or whether it's small. And what do you need to turn over to him? What do you need to take your anxieties that you're facing and you're trying to hold on to and you need to get them out of your hands and into his? So I want you to view this time together as sitting down with God because this is the meal that Jesus hosts and he wants to hear from you. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, the words rejoice, rejoice always. They are so easier said than done. So Father, I pray that we would each spend some time with you now expressing our gratitude and our thanksgiving and transferring our worries from us to you. So Father, I am grateful for the bread, your body that we're about to share and the way that it was broken on our behalf. And I'm grateful for the juice that we're going to share, the blood that was spilt on our behalf. And that Jesus is the one that can face our worries and face the ultimate of death and walk and live again. So Father, as we share in this, I pray that you would hear our prayers and our conversations with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask the shepherds, if they would, come join me down front. And we offer an invitation. And just like Paul says, I want you to be praying about this. These men that are coming front, they want to pray with you and for you and help you take advantage of that incredible opportunity that we have. And so if there's anything they can be praying with you about, we're going to sing a song, and you're going to have an opportunity. If you just want to be prayed with, prayed for, you can just come and, and meet one of these men down front, and they would love that chance. If you're curious about this supernatural life, the ability to be able to rejoice always, then unashamedly we say that the way that you tie into that is you've got to tie into the source. And the source is Jesus Christ. And the way that we tie into that is we submit to him and we give our lives over to him in baptism. And if that's something that you believe that you are ready for, and because God's ready for you, if you're ready for that, then I would love to talk to you about that. You can come down front uh, as well. If you would, let's stand and let's sing the song that Richard's leading us in. If there's any way that we can minister to you, we'd love to. Thank you for listening to this Western Hills podcast. Please visit our website, westernhillsonline.org, to find out more about us.